Welcome to the Haley Hennessy podcast, hosted by me, Haley Hennessy. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into topics that will empower you to discover new ways to make life juicier, more vibrant, and inspiring. Let's get started. Yay! Oh my gosh, I am so excited to talk about this subject today. It's been a while since I've been gearing up for it, since I've been planning on it, and it's finally here, and I'm honestly just like, I'm just so, so excited. So in honor of this podcast and this subject, I made myself a big glass of watermelon juice, which in today's recipe, it was just watermelon blended with a couple things added. And I will get into that just a little bit later. But first, I want to dive in to the perfect storm that brought me here to where I am today to having the opinions and the outlook and the education that I have right now. So I started out as someone who is very curious about altering my diet, altering the way that I consumed food in order to change the way I felt, the way I looked, in order to alter who I was. And this started out in a very unhealthy way back in junior high and even in high school. And then as I got a little older into my early 20s, late teens, I started becoming very curious about nutrition and the quality of our foods and the foods or the, the things that we ate and I consumed. Uh, and then that took me to becoming vegetarian. That was the first like big label change that I took on. And then being vegetarian took me down the road of being vegan. But all of these things did not result in huge health benefits or huge health outcomes. They were all interesting shifts and fun challenges and things that I saw necessary for my life, for the environment, for the way that I existed, but they didn't have a big impact on the way I was feeling, on the quality of my digestion, on my skin, on my sleep, on my mental health, on all of those things. They didn't have a big impact on that. And so it wasn't until I finally got going down the road of health and wellness that things started to change for me. And the thing that I really cared about was being able to do something, live away, eat away, be a certain way in health that I could be forever in order to stay healthy. Because what I was used to in my past was dieting or shifting life for a small period in a dramatic way. And then once it was over, then going back to quote unquote normal, going back to my own version of normal. And so I had this strong desire and urge for my normal to just be the thing that was healthy. You know, I didn't want to have to do a diet or a fast or or any type of exercise challenge or hitting something really hard in that sense. And then that not being how I lived every day. I just wanted every day to be equilibrium because I spent so much time thinking about food, thinking about exercising, thinking about meals and recipes and what to eat and what not to eat and what to order and what not to order that it just was so exhausting and I knew there was a way <laughs> that we're you know we're all 
animals. We're all beings that have a perfect diet, but we have allowed our group logic, our group analytical minds to pick things apart and try to figure out how to hack the system. And we've done this for so long, for such a long amount of time, that we've forgotten what our true way of existing is. And there's really not very many people out there existing like that. And when I say true, I'm talking about our ideal diet, our ideal way of living, like I was mentioning before, where I desire to just live in equilibrium. Like, why don't we all live like that? And so where this desire took me was from my vegan standpoint to first the medical medium. So I learned about the medical medium, I think in 2016 or so, and I started dabbling with some of his recommendations then and seeing amazing results and feeling really, really good. And from there, I started learning more about some whole food plant-based stuff, and I ended up finding the Woodstock Fruit Festival through these endeavors. And so I went to the Woodstock Fruit Festival and that festival is a raw fruit festival. And so the entire time that you're there, which was a week for me, all you eat is raw fruits and some vegetables. And they're, I mean, there's definitely, they're not, they're not like checking your bags. They're not like holding you to a certain standard. And so in recent years, there have been people who have brought cooked foods, who have brought processed foods. And I don't understand why, but, but for those of us who are interested and curious about the raw food lifestyle and the fruitarian lifestyle, we showed up with just our bags on our back and we ate raw fruits and vegetables for the entire week. And let me tell you, the first year that I did that and that I attended that festival, by the end of the week, I felt so amazing. You have never ever felt so good unless you've been a raw fruitarian for at least a week because what happens during this time and what I learned from this festival and from the education and also through the medical medium is that when we eat these optimal nutritious raw foods and we eat enough of them, they number one, digest very quickly. That means our bodies can spend less time and energy just processing our foods, breaking down the nutrients and sending them where they need to go, and then passing the fiber through our bodies. And when our bodies are able to digest and process foods quickly, they now have so much free time. It's like a weekend for our bodies. They say, okay, I got this done and now what? Now they can start working on healing and improving our bodies in the areas that aren't as high priority. So our highest priority for our bodies is our brain and our hearts. So if you imagine a gobstopper or like a jawbreaker or something like a candy with multiple color layers, Imagine our bodies as that and the very innermost layer is our hearts and our brains. And then as you get outward and outward, things become a little less, a little less of a priority until you get to the very outer edge, which tends to be our hair, our skin and our nails. 
our bodies spend a lot of time digesting and breaking down the things that we eat. And so when they have a little bit of free time, they can start working outward towards all those other layers. And if you continue to eat raw foods, raw meals, and do that back to back, they have more and more time to heal and to readjust and to start taking care of those extra fat storages and to start clearing out that brain fog and to start clearing up your skin and strengthening your nails and growing your hair. And there's so much that our bodies want to get to and help us with. But when we fill our systems with these really intense and difficult to digest and weird chemical foods, our bodies have to spend a lot of time figuring out what to do with all of that and uh, making sure that we have enough hydration in order to digest those things. And also making sure that our bodies and our peristaltic action can push it through our colons. There's so much that goes on. This was a really amazing epiphany that I learned and saw for myself and my own body how exactly it works. But then once I left this retreat, this festival, I realized just how much of a lifestyle shift that it takes in order to eat a raw food diet. And so I was interested in adding that more and more into my life. But just going overnight was wasn't something that I was able to do because in order to do this successfully, you have to get the required amount of calories that we all need during the day. And to get this from fruit, because it's got such a high water content and such a low fat profile, it takes a a much higher quantity of fruit in order to meet all those requirements. And if you're living your everyday life in regular society like I was, that can be difficult to do. Difficult simply to chew all that food, to have it all in your house, to make sure it's all ripe and ready when it's time for you to eat. Chop it up, prepare it, bring it with you if you're going somewhere. It's It, it can be a lot of work. And so that's when I started exploring how to combine this fruitarian-based way of eating with whole food plant-based eating, which whole food plant-based eating is vegan, quote unquote, but also it's more than that because it's focused on health. So whole food plant-based. So whole food means whole foods, whole unprocessed foods. So grains, nuts, seeds, Beans, greens, fruits, vegetables, those are all whole foods. And then turning those things into meals is how whole food plant-based works. Whole food plant-based does not include oil because oil is highly processed and refined. Whole food plant-based does not include processed sugar. And they recommend not using salt as well. So now I want to go into why I feel like I have hacked life. <laughs> I've figured out the way to exist with food and how to live optimally and feel amazing and have a healthy body. It's all because of the education that I've slowly picked up over the years. So let's go into the science of blood sugar and fat. 
So this analogy comes straight from Dr. Neil Barnard. He's amazing. He has an awesome TED Talk on YouTube that you can check out or on TED.com. And I will also link it in the show notes. But he depicts the human body, the human bloodstream as a free flowing red blood stream. And then you decide to consume sugar let's say, a literal spoonful of table sugar. So you consume the sugar, it melts in your mouth, it gets absorbed into your bloodstream, and then it's floating through your system looking for cells to get into, looking for for muscle cells. And it finds them, and then insulin comes up to the cell, acts as a key and a lock, unlocks it, opens it up, and then the sugar can go straight in and be absorbed as energy into our cells. Now, take the same situation, but instead of just having a pure tablespoon of sugar, let's have a bite of a cupcake. So a cupcake isn't just sugar. It isn't just carbohydrates. It is also fat because there's oil in a cupcake, there's typically egg in a cupcake, there's butter, and all of these things are very high in fat. So when we consume a bite of cupcake, that sugar is still taken in and the fat is taken in and that sugar wants to go into our cells. So it starts this process looking around trying to get into cells, but when it comes up to a cell, insulin shows up ready to unlock the door for that cell. But once that key goes in, that key gets stuck and it doesn't work because guess what's in the lock? Fat. Acting in a similar way as if there was bubble gum in a lock. It is blocking the ability for insulin to unlock the door in order for the sugar to come in. And so what happens? The sugar has nowhere to go. It is trapped in the bloodstream. It's floating around, accumulating because it doesn't have a way to get into the cells. And so if somebody pricks their their finger, checks their blood sugar, they will then see a high elevation of blood sugar on that reader. So can you see here that sugar isn't the issue? It is the smoke to the fire, but it's not the fire itself. The fire is the fat. But guess who gets the blame? Guess who gets all of the hate and all of the shame? The sugar. And people go around saying, don't eat sugar. It'll raise your blood sugar. I need more protein. I need more fat. And so these people continue on eating high fat, high protein, and they're just adding to the fat that's gumming up their cells, their ability, their cells ability to take in sugar. And maybe this doesn't seem like a big deal, but remember, sugar is vital to our life because it is how we get energy. So this little tidbit brings me to the next thing I want to share with you, which is the human breast milk profile. So can we all agree that human breast milk is the most optimal food for a human baby? Just in the same way as cow breast milk is the most optimal food for a baby cow, giraffe milk is the most optimal food for a baby giraffe. And so going into the profile that makes up human breast milk, we see a very, very low amount of fat and even lower amount of protein. But what does it have plenty of? Sugar, also known as carbohydrates. 
And I don't personally have children at this point in time, but I've asked many, many, many of my friends, hey, have you ever tasted your breast milk? What does it taste like? And every single one of them says, oh, it's very sweet. So maybe you've had a baby and you've tasted your breast milk. Can you relate to this? It is a very sweet flavor. And the reason for that is because breast milk of any animal is priming that baby for their most optimal diet as they get older. So most of us have drank cow's milk. And guess what it tastes like? It has a very non-flavor flavor, which is very similar to grass. And so that cow's milk is meant for that baby cow. So then that baby cow can grow big and strong and then begin eating grass. So it's no wonder that we all love sweetness. We all love sugary things because that is the flavor that we are taught to find nourishment in, that we're taught to seek out in order to give ourselves the most optimal energy and nutrition as adults. So, hmm, our bloodstream happily and readily absorbs sugar when unencumbered by fat and when we're babies, our mom's breast milk tastes very sweet and is gearing us up to eating sugar. But now, <laughs> in the world, we're not supposed to eat sugar. We're not supposed to have sweet things because they're so detrimental to our health and our life. So this is where I began wondering, well, why the heck does everyone hate sugar so much? And really... All it comes back to is this blood sugar element because once our blood sugar is spiked and stays spiked, that is when we start experiencing or can experience or build upon the negative experiences of the high blood sugar. And if we live for a prolonged state with high blood sugar, that's when the issues arise. However, Everyone's blood sugar rises a bit when they first consume something sweet because the sugar itself has to get into our bloodstream and then get into our cells. So that had me thinking, well, what the heck? This seems like it should work, but why isn't it working? And that's where it volleys back to the fruitarians and the education I got from them about food combining. So what we learned with the cupcake scenario is that when a sugar is with a fat, it has a difficult time in the bloodstream. It also also is harder for our bodies to digest because we've got sugar which digests more quickly and we've got a fat that digests a lot more slowly. It takes a lot more time to break down. And so food combining becomes relevant when we start thinking about this breakdown of food. So what they advocate for in the grand scheme is to start your day with foods that are higher in water content, higher in sweetness, and lower in fat. So fruit in general doesn't have a lot of fat anyway, but there are fruits that have a lot higher levels of fat and protein, and then there are fruits with much lower levels of fat. So for example, watermelon is very low, low, low in fat and very high in water, of course. Citrus fruits like oranges and grapefruits are the same way. Grapes, pineapple, other melons, juices, like if you've made a cold pressed juice, all of these are much lower in fat and are very quick to digest. 
And so these are great fruits to start your day with or to have at the first half or first portion of your day. And then as time goes on, it's recommended to get a little bit denser and a little bit heavier if that's the way you want to eat. So if you do eat nuts and seeds or if you do eat cooked foods, you'd want to have that at the end of the day because when we combine those higher density foods, those ones with higher levels of protein, higher levels of fat, again, not high compared to dairy, meat, eggs, oil, but higher compared to, let's say, a watermelon, we want to put those towards the end of the day because that gives our bodies time to digest digest them into the evening and overnight, and then we can start fresh in the morning. And so when we start fresh with those sweeter watery fruits, they not only digest quicker, but that sugar gets absorbed into our bodies and to our cells much faster. And there's no issues with spiked blood sugar. It rises up when we consume the food and then it drops down very quickly because all of that sugar is able to be incorporated into our cells. So I really did some sleuthing, some research, looking into why everyone hates sugar so much and why it is so demonized. And really, it all comes back to this spiked blood sugar, the glycemic index, the ability to break it down and use it. A lot of people talk about the empty calories and sugar white sugar. It doesn't have any other nutrients beyond just being a pure carbohydrate. So it's great to give us energy and to give us that fuel in our cells, but it doesn't provide any other vitamins or minerals or other food content that our bodies are needing. But I also learned if we are living and eating a lower fat diet, we no longer have to worry about calorie counting. And this is where the magic is, my friends. I sometimes eat 3,000 calories a day. Sometimes I eat more and I don't gain weight. I don't have any lethargy or brain fog or digestion issues because I have a low fat diet. And so when you are eating high calorie from whole fresh fruits and vegetables, and then later on in the day, greens, beans, and grains, there's really no issue and there's no other health worry. This is why I'm saying I feel like I've hacked the system. I feel like I've figured it out because eating more fruitarian in the first part of my day and then ending the day more whole food plant-based, no oil, I'm keeping a very low fat content, I'm eating high carb, and I'm getting lots of nutrients while all at the same time, I'm still able to live in our fast-paced society. I don't have to worry about hauling a whole watermelon with me out at a restaurant with my friends because there's nothing on the menu for me because that is something (laughs) that some fruitarians have to live with. So there is an amazing resource by Douglas Graham called the 80-10-10 diet, or he's got a book called 80-10-10, and it's switching our macro profile around. So our macros are fat, protein, and carbohydrates. So it's switching it around to 80% carbohydrates, 10% from fats, 
10% from protein. The average person gets a profile that's closer to 40, 30, 30, give or take some of that. And the reason for this is one, we've been sold a myth that we need mega high protein. People are really freaked out about protein these days and protein is great. We all need protein. However, we're getting way too much. We're getting a surplus of protein. And when we consume a surplus of protein and we our bodies don't have a place to use it, it gets converted and then stored as fat. So many people have no idea that that is truth. That is that is what happens. And also along with that, it is very rare in our food sources that a protein isn't paired with a fat. There are very rare forms where protein is just isolated away from a fat. So that is why in the 80-10-10 scenario, usually the fat and the protein are close together because they're pocketed together. So if you think about like a cut of cow, meat, beef, there's always that fat in there with that protein muscle tissue. Same in a bean. There's fat in beans alongside that protein. And so if someone is saying, oh, I'm eating high protein, that also means that they're eating high fat. Even if they don't realize it, that's what's going on. Now, we are able to see fat separated from protein because we've been able to do that very successfully in oils and rendering fat from their original source. One tablespoon of olive oil, which is 100% fat, is 119 calories. So can you see this a tablespoon? I take a tablespoon of one of my supplements every day. It's like a liquid supplement. It's very easy to just consume that. <laughs> and so now imagine how many tablespoons of this liquid fat people use in their baked goods or people use in a stir fry or to marinate a protein with or that is snuck into all of the foods that come in packages. So if you look on most packaged foods, often the first, second or third ingredient is going to be some type of an oil. And the addition of oil into our everyday foods, into our eating habits over the last few decades is the reason why calorie counting has become so ingrained in the brain of our society. Because it does matter where the calorie comes from. So if you get most of your calories or 40% of your calories from fat, what happens in the body is that it's not able to break that down quickly enough. It's not able to digest digest it quickly. It takes a lot of energy, one, to break that all down, but then it's going to store it if there's an excess. So if we are able to survive and thrive on a diet that's comprised of 80-10-10, 80% calories from carbs, 10% fat, 10% protein, then that goes to show that we don't need a lot of fat. And so whatever excess fat we end up consuming blindly in our diets, our bodies have to do something with. And so they store it and fat becomes fat. I've seen, oh my gosh, you guys, I could go on and on about how frustrating and confusing the information is out there on health and nutrition and how things work. I literally saw, I think, uh, an ad on YouTube before a video I was going to watch where the woman says, fat turning into fat is a myth. And who knows what she was advertising, but probably some sort of supplement or some extra thing that she needed people to buy from her. But the truth is, is that it 
does. Fat becomes fat. And the reason why I know this to be true is, of course, there's all sorts of literature from doctors that I trust, and I trust them because they're actually wanting people to get well, to heal, and to not depend on the healthcare system. But anecdotally, also, I've spent time with fruitarians. I've spent time with 80-10-10ers. I've spent time with people who don't consume high fat, high protein, and they're the most beautiful, attractive, healthy, vibrant, and energetic people on the face of this planet. I also want to touch on sugar as an isolated food, white table sugar, or in a vegan's case, the... uh, brownish turbinado sugar. So in case you don't know, white sugar, bright white sugar has bone char in it, which is literally bone (laughs) that has been broken down in fire and into a powder form in order to make the sugar so bright white and that color. So I don't use that because that's disgusting. However, I do want to talk about sugar itself, even the bone char sugar. This is the thing that gets a lot of hate. Fruit sometimes gets hate, which is a sad thing, but we all can see why fruit is good for us. People often recommend honey or maple syrup, date syrup as alternatives because they have more nutrients within them and they aren't, well, depending on which one, but they're not as high on the glycemic index. But sugar itself gets so much hate. And after all of my research and all of my hunting, really the only thing I was able to find from a doctor talking about why they don't like white sugar that didn't have to do with spiking blood sugar or prolonged issues because someone has paired their sugar intake with a fat is that supposedly sugar scratches the inside of our blood vessels. And when I heard this, the doctor or whoever was telling this fact didn't really cite anything, didn't really say why they believe this to be so. And so I'm not sure if it's true. I'm not sure if it's been studied or researched. If that's the only issue, then why do we have to hate it so much? If it's not paired with a fat, it's not going to make us fat because remember, fat makes us fat. Of course, there's a lot of language around our teeth and if they're going to rot away because of sugar. And honestly, I've heard debates about this, if sugar is even an issue for the teeth. Um, But if let's say it is and we rinse our mouths with water or we give ourselves a little time and then brush our teeth. okay, that that issue is taken care of. So now why do we need to hate sugar? Why do we need to not eat it? And so I'm circling back. So I told you I have my watermelon smoothie with me or my watermelon juice. Uh, So this morning I cracked open the watermelon. I ate some bites. It was really good, but it's not a midsummer watermelon. And it seemed a little tiny bit underripe. And so it wasn't fully sweet like I like it. And so I cut up some watermelon, tossed it in the blender. I added a little bit of lime juice. And guess what else I added? I added some sugar. I added some of that brown (laughs) turbinado cane sugar and blended it up. And oh my goodness, it tastes amazing. (laughs) It tastes really good. And it added some good calories for me, which I want. I want more calories because calories are energy and I want energy. It's the first thing that I'm consuming today. So I haven't had any fat. 
I've slept, you know, eight hours and I've digested last night's dinner. So there's no reason why the sugar isn't able to do me some good to get straight into my cells to give me that energy that I need and even think about a blood sugar crash so I have a family member that I love very much who is diabetic and she was diagnosed with diabetes type 1 early in her life so I think she was what 12 12 13 and one of the things that they taught her that when her blood sugar gets low she will know how it feels she will get used to that feeling or be familiar with it and when that happens she needs to take in that pure form of sugar so either orange juice or glucose tablets or other straight forms of sugar which I can't imagine a doctor recommending but they did (laughs) they they mentioned soda they mentioned airhead candies and other things like that that are on the market today and all of this is sugar that hasn't been paired with a fat and when she consumes this her blood sugar raises and we all can relate to having low blood sugar not maybe as low as a diabetics can get because we have stores and our insulin can unlock that for us However, if you've ever gone too long without eating, if you've ever gone on a road trip and forgotten to bring snacks, or maybe you have a diet restriction and you're in a new town and you couldn't find a restaurant that suited you, we all have had moments where we've experienced those blood sugar crashes where we can't think straight, we can't problem solve, we can't figure out what to do next, we get angry or short-tempered at people, we feel like maybe the world is crashing in on us. Once we eat, we start to feel a little bit better. But let me give you a little hack that my partner has told me and works beautifully and has worked for me in the past and works for him as well. But if you're ever in one of those moments, go for something with sugar. You can do water and sugar, blend it together and drink it. You can go to most stores and find an orange juice or a grapefruit juice or some type maybe even regular grape juice and drink some of that. I like to keep a little package of dates with me in my car or my backpack at all times because they're great for those moments. Now those will have that fiber so I'm trying to talk about isolated sugar however there's gonna be fiber and most things sweet things fruits and stuff like that. If we are experiencing a crash and we get isolated sugar in some form into our bodies, whoa, we're going to feel amazing. Our brains are going to start working again. Our bodies are going to start functioning and we're going to feel better. And then once, you know, once you've had that, because again, there's not a lot of nutrients. There's, of course, no fiber. There's nothing else there that's going to help sustain you. So once you've had your boost of sugar water, you can then go figure out a plan, go to a restaurant go to a place and grab some food and then actually sustain yourself. But we shouldn't be hating on sugar. It is our reason for existence. Our bodies, when they receive sugar in any form, our bodies will break those down into usable glycogen. Then we will benefit from that sugar. And lastly, I want to hit on those sugary foods that have kind of been manipulated that I was mentioning like airheads or soda or whatever. So 
these big food corporations, the industries out there have used this love and need of sugar and distorted it and used it against us. So believe it or not, there's actually a candy and soda lobby out there that is pushing for various policies to pass in the United States government. It's there. So (laughs) if you look on the back or on the ingredients label of the sugary things that are out there that we don't benefit from, that do make us fat, do make us unhealthy, that clog up our brains, that are hard to digest, that are paired with that, you can see there's a lot of really weird ingredients in there. (laughs) There's a lot of dyes, food dyes. There's a lot of oils and sugars that don't even come from cane plants. They come from corn and other sources. So there's a huge difference because there's almost anti-nutrients in some of these foods. But they're very convenient. They're very cheap. They are cheap because of the lobbyists in Washington that are pushing for their prevalence in the country. And so when we're living super busy lives, we don't have time to stop and chop up a watermelon and blend it in a blender with a little bit of table sugar. Then we go into a convenience store and we grab a candy bar or a slushy or whatever other crazy stuff that's in there. And that's what we're used to seeing and deeming as sugar. And then we hear people hating so hard on sugar and that becomes the main rhetoric of society. And then we get brainwashed to believing that fruit is bad and that sugars from other plant sources like date syrup and maple syrup and coconut sugar and all of that is bad too. When really, when this is done right and when this is done with a little bit of education and intention, we can not only feel energized and amazing, but we can heal. We can stop thinking and worrying about food and stop thinking and worrying about if what we're eating is going to damage us or going to make us fat or going to do whatever. And we can move up that Maslow's hierarchy of needs and start thinking higher and higher up on that pyramid. Now, this is the way that I have been living for the past several years. And for me, it's been a slow transition. So I choose to still live in regular society. I still choose to live in a pattern of an average American. Of course, I've, I've been shifting this over the years. But because of this, I have been learning and adjusting more slowly and I have had to allow my taste buds to change. So there's this great quote that I always tell my coaching clients that what you eat today, you crave tomorrow. So we are living in a world where our food is being monopolized to abuse us in a sense. The the regular average food in most of our grocery stores is there to not only have you addicted to it, have you craving it, have you wanting it, but also taking us down the path of sickness, of dis-ease. So then we have to buy into that pharmaceutical industry as well. And it's just this big, crazy, terrible cycle that everybody's making money from, but we as the consumers aren't benefiting from. And so to start making the shift, I mean, I know there's tons of people out there that could just shift overnight. 
But slowly shifting is also a way that is very helpful to make this long term. Like I mentioned a million times before, I want to be able to live and exist in a way that I can do forever. Once I'm I'm adjusted, I don't have to think about it ever again. I don't have to think about diets. I don't have to think about adding in or taking away or too much or too little I can just eat good foods until I'm satisfied and feel amazing because this food gives us energy. This food gives us life. And when we're told and shamed for our sweet tooths, for our sugar cravings, for the dessert at the end of the night, like that is just so wrong and manipulative. So if we can take our natural instincts and put them to use for us and educate ourselves and trial and error and figure things out and eventually come to a place where we can fuel ourselves in a high carb, low fat way, we can overcome this whole system that maybe we've been a part of for years and years. Even consider the caffeine industry and the way that that is marketed to us. Coffee and energy drinks and teas and matcha and chai, all of this is so popular and accepted because we live busy lives and we need to keep up. And because sugar is demonized and it's actually what gives us our energy, we have to reach for something completely different that actually robs us of energy in the future, which is a caffeinated beverage, caffeinated beverages. The caffeine utilizes our hormones, our adrenaline, our cortisol to give us that sense of energy. It's not true energy because it's not an actual fuel. And this is something that is so known to us. This is something that people do every single day of their lives, sometimes multiple times a day. And it's not true energy. It's actually stealing from your future self because our adrenaline reserves, our cortisol, all of that is there for a reason. It's there for us for when we're actually in fight or flight, when we're in a dangerous situation, when we are in energy exerting situations, things like birth, athletic endeavors. All of this depends on these vital hormones. But if you think about it, those things happen very occasionally, every now and then, sometimes just once a year. And we are using the same hormones every single day, multiple times a day. They're not meant to be used like that. So truly we're abusing this piece of ourself because we've been so programmed to stay away and steer clear of sugar, true energy. So I want to end this episode with just a little example of how I choose to eat. I'm not doing this to show you what perfect looks like. I'm doing this to give you an idea of what this could look like for you. Because for me, it's really hard to do things blindly. I need an example to use and then turn into my own version of. And so that's what I'm doing, giving this to you today. So for example, I'll wake up, I'll have a glass of lemon and honey water. The honey has nice sugary energy in it. I'll then have maybe some fresh whole fruit like mangoes. The champagne honey mangoes are going off right now and so I'll have maybe a couple of those and then I'll switch to a smoothie. And in my smoothie I like to put a lot of frozen fruit. So I'll do pineapple, mango, berries, and I've actually been using some dragon fruit that I've found at my bulk food store. 
And then I'll do spinach and a ton of bananas. So at least five, sometimes six, sometimes 10, depending on how hungry I am. I blend that all up and then that's my kind of second breakfast. And then lunchtime rolls around. More recently, I've been having oats. So I'll do cook my oats. I'll put a lot of coconut sugar in there. I'll do some spices, cinnamon, pumpkin pie spice, a little bit of chia seeds, blueberries on top, raisins, sometimes cut up apple, sometimes cut up banana, and then some maple syrup. And can you see how we're getting a little denser, a little denser each meal? Then I might have a snack in between there, like some apples or pears or grapes or whatever type of fruit that I have on hand. And then for dinner time, that's when I allow myself to have more of those fatty foods. So if we're having pasta, for example, I'll do a gluten-free rice pasta and then I'll blend up a sauce. I'll do sometimes an Alfredo made out of cashews and then we'll top that with some chickpeas, which are a little bit more dense and higher fat. And then of course the cashews are higher fat as well. And then we'll have a green veggie on the side, maybe some asparagus or broccoli or green beans. And we have pretty large quantities of our dinner will make a huge portion and then that's usually the day. So I don't often crave a lot of sweets after dinner because I've eaten so much fruit on the front half of my day. I tend to find that when I have had enough fruit, I don't crave sweets later on. And as the day progresses, I tend to crave a little bit more savory foods at the end. And that's that's what happens for us. So other things for dinner that I make quite a bit, I sometimes make a lasagna. Sometimes I make baked potato fries or sweet potato fries. I'll make a hearty soup, sometimes a curry or an Indian dish. And I have this really amazing chili mac instant pot recipe that I make every week. And we like to throw walnuts in on that too. So often I get well above 2,000 calories a day, sometimes closer to three, like I mentioned. Just today, I ate a whole half of a watermelon for breakfast and then added in extra calories with that sugar. And this is an amazing way to eat. I love it. I don't have the need for caffeine or a caffeinated beverage. I sleep really great at night. I wake up feeling refreshed. I have energy to exercise during the day. And there's really no other secrets. I do my best to manage my stress and to take care of that side of things through self-care practices, but it's so much easier to do those things when you're feeling good, when you're feeling energized and you're ready to take them on, you're ready to do the work. So if this topic has spoken to you, has been interesting to you, please let me know. You can message me on Instagram at Haley.Hennessy and let me know how this landed. Let me know if this is a new subject for you or if you've heard about this in the past and you're curious. I would love to get a conversation started. And if you haven't already, I would love, love, love for you to go into your podcast platform of choice and leave me a review. And thank you so much for listening today. If you want to know more about this topic, or if you want me to make another episode, again, let me know via Instagram and I will be so, so happy to do that. So let's start showing sugar a little bit more love. Let's start eating more fruits and living a sweeter life. I'll talk to you in the next podcast.